On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is the only man who knows that the Chicago Bears are my new secret favorite team. Here is the captain. And those Bears are on cocaine. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are still sipping on this dandy, the $50 million man from Three Floyds Brewing. It's juicy with bright tropical fruit coupled with an Imperial IPA with 9% ABV. All of that makes this one powerful beer, garage grade four out of five bottle caps. And let's give the power back to the people. Cheers to you for helping us fill up the fridge this week. First up, a big cheers goes out to our friend Michael from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a big We Like Your Jib goes out to Dee from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Next up, we have Stephanie in Marysville, Ohio. And last but certainly not least, we have Captain Shipwreck 503 and Parts Unknown. Everyone we just mentioned, they helped us out. They went to truecrimegarage.com and filled up the fridge for this week's show by donating to the Beer Fund, and for that, we thank you. Yeah, and Beer Run. First off, go to truecrimegarage.com and sign up on the mailing list so you can be in the know. And while you're there, check out the new Band the Van t-shirts and the Creepy Camper t-shirts. Also, remember to send me pictures of creepy vans as you see them out in the wild so we can ban the van and colonel that's enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime Kevin P. Anderson is also wanted for intentionally burning down his late father's home. Authorities still haven't been able to find Anderson. He is considered dangerous, and Tony Galley joins us live in Jefferson County. Tony, what else have you learned? Well, uh, George, we are here in the reign of the Jefferson County Courthouse, where Kevin Anderson has gone from person of interest to murder defendant. As authorities say, his anger over the terms of his father's will boiled before he allegedly killed his sister and brother-in-law. A criminal complaint issued at this courthouse just a few minutes ago states a sheriff's deputy found the bodies of 57-year-old Nedra Lemke and 59-year-old Jim Lemke at the father's Fort Atkinson home and also found Anderson and Lemke's developmentally challenged brother in a car on the property, unhurt but unable to speak. Authorities say the deputy then exchanged gunfire with someone on the home's second floor before the home erupted in flames. Now, the complaint also says Anderson felt betrayed. Nedra Lemke was chosen the executor of the state and that Anderson had taken guns out of the home 
and changed locks. As you mentioned, there's been a search for Kevin Anderson for more than a week. One of his acquaintances tells authorities that he is an exceptional marksman. They also say that remains in the fire, none of those remains were of Kevin Anderson. They continued the search and they continue to tell people that he is, as you mentioned, armed and dangerous. Reporting live from Jefferson County, Tony Galley, 27 News. You heard it, they are no longer a suspect and now a defendant. The authorities looking for Kevin P. Anderson. He is a fugitive on the run. He is somebody that they need to apprehend. You heard all of the charges that he is facing. We know how dangerous this individual is. He's also known to have a very violent temper. And we've seen this play out in the public from the 1993 charges where he's firing guns at people that were coming out of the bar. We know that he is charged with two counts of homicide and had every intention of killing that deputy that arrived on the scene there that day. And God bless it. He probably was intending to kill his brother, his poor brother that was sitting inside that vehicle. And luckily he was able to get out of there unharmed on that day before the home of his father was burnt down to the ground. You touched on something yesterday, Captain, and I wanted to delve a little further into that thought. Uh-huh. And a lot of this goes to where we will end up, and that is where could this man be? Where could this very dangerous individual be hiding out? We're coming up on almost three years since this guy was on the run. And one detail that I find fascinating in this case. And this comes from the police records. And it says that when the police scoured the scene after the home was burnt to the ground, now, unfortunately they found our two victims already deceased. They find the suspect, the defendant, his vehicle, his Dodge Ram truck inside of an outbuilding on the property broken out windows, just as Nedra described in the 911 call. But they also found Nedra's cell phone at the scene. They found the cell phone near her, her body at the scene. Right. And they were able to recover some information from that cell phone. One was a message, right? A text message that was sent from her phone to three phone numbers. One of those phone numbers is Kevin Anderson's phone number. And in that text message, she says, hi, everyone just wanted to put this out to see if anyone wants to take up the task of keeping the farm's grass mowed this summer. It's getting long. Then at 1241 PM. So that text message came out at 933 AM that morning, the same day that she was killed at 1241 PM. There's an outgoing call from her cell phone to Kevin Anderson's phone. This call results in a voicemail. So Kevin does not pick up the phone. On the call, on the voicemail, Nedra says, Hi, Kevin. I have plans to get the mowing done at the farm, so I need access into the shed to get to the mower. Right. If you could call me back and let me know how I can do this, we are planning on doing that tonight. So that would be really helpful. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Nice, friendly message, quick and to the point. What's the point of discovering this information? Early on in this case, it was suggested that this fallout and the aftermath was due to some kind of argument. And we said maybe it's due to some kind of ongoing argument. But what I see here at the scene and what the captain sees here at the scene, I see premeditation. That's a different kind of evil. Here in this case, we have a few different factors to consider when do we make an argument for premeditation? And I, I absolutely think so. And I think we do because that points out just how calculated, how evil, 
and how bad this individual is. Kevin P. Anderson. Because what we have is we have evidence that his sister makes contact with him, leaving some voicemail. She's basically telling him when they're going to be at the property. And when they go to the property, unbeknownst to her, he's at that property. He didn't have his truck parked in the driveway. He had it hidden in a barn. And then when she gets to the property, there's broken out windows causing her to call 911. Well, I, again, I think those broken out windows were so he could snipe his family members. Let me paint this picture for you, because here's where I think that there is obvious evidence that this whole situation is far more sinister than just some argument, some crime of passion. I think this was premeditated murder. And I think that going on the run, that him fleeing this farm and being on the run for all this time, I think that was the only part of this crime that was not premeditated. I think he thought he could murder his family and get away with it that day. So let's describe this, right? We know based off of that text message that came at 9 a.m. that morning, the voicemail that came in the early afternoon of that same day that Jim and Nedra were killed, he was aware that they fully intended to go to the property that evening. Yeah, he would know their location. He lives six miles. Kevin Anderson at the time lived six miles from his father's house, from his deceased father's house. He arrives there early enough that he knows a couple of things. He can park and conceal his truck. So when his sister and brother-in-law pull into the property, they will not know that he is there. They will not see his truck. He's already positioned himself at a vantage point where he can fire down upon them from the second floor. He broke out those windows with the intention of shooting at the people that arrived that day. And let's take it a couple steps further. We know that the family came out later and investigators came out later and said, look, the locks have been changed on the house. Everybody is saying we must presume that it was Kevin Anderson that changed these locks. We know it wasn't Nedra or Jim. And there were guns missing from the home. I think we have a situation, Captain, where he showed up with the intent of ambushing his family. Yeah. He set the scene. He rigged the game. They had no chance. Like shooting fish in a barrel. The thing here that he didn't plan on was the 911 call. Right. And his sister is very observant. Brother-in-law, very observant. They show up. They were probably already a little skeeved out by his behavior, probably a little on edge because the locks had been changed. There are lights on when they return to the property. It looks like somebody showing up and doing things and making alterations to this property in the house while they're gone. And so they arrived there that day and they didn't stand a chance. Unfortunately, he set the system up. He rigged the game against them. And here's the thing you hit on this yesterday too, captain. It's because I'm a genius. That house doesn't go up like a matchbook with no accelerant used. See, that's where I think there was a possible escape plan. If this plan doesn't go perfectly, the alternative becomes light the house on fire and then I disappear. I I think it's possible he thought it out to that point. Again, wouldn't be aware of the 911 call, but that doesn't mean he didn't have, hey, if this does go wrong, how can I get out of this situation? As soon as that deputy arrives on the scene, he makes the decision, the conscious decision to fire down upon that deputy. Had he, had he hit him, I, I, I feel like once this deputy arrives on the scene, that's when he has to flip, right? He has to go, oh, now I have to flee. Even if, even if I kill the deputy, I have to flee this situation because there was a call that went in. They responded to the call. It won't take too long to put things together. But if you did this, if you were able to take out your family 
Who's to say that he did not intend to conceal the body somewhere? Yes, because this this case one is it's nuts, so right? Mm-hmm. Old Kevin P. Anderson. I wonder what the P stands for. I think it probably stands for PP head. But when you hear of this crime, and you want to think about the layout of the land, where the barns are, where the houses are, what's nuts about this whole thing is you can go online. And watch the body cam footage of the responding deputy. And you can see the layout of the land. You can see what he saw. You could see the vehicles he saw. You could see when he gets behind his vehicle. You can hear when the gunshots are fired at him. You can see him running across the road and taking cover. And you can hear him calling again for backup. But one of the things that you'll notice in that video is, there's a lawnmower that's out. Mm-hmm. So then you wonder too, okay, well, they told you they're going to come by and they need access to that lawnmower. Is it possible that he went, well, I'll go get there early, conceal my vehicle, lock all the barns, but have the lawnmower out. And when they go to get on that lawnmower, I'll be there to snipe them. We don't know if Kevin could see his sister on the phone. And obviously, even if he did, he would not know who she's on the phone with. Right. But when his cell phone doesn't ring, um, the thing here is. Yeah, but hold on. You're in the middle of nowhere. And as long as there's not cars running and cars driving by, he might've heard every single word that she said. Right. And, what I'm pointing out though, is kind of regardless, it's almost, she's found right next to her vehicle. He could have decided to fire the shots as soon as he starts seeing people get out of the vehicle. That to me implies that this was an ambush, that it was intended that he was going to do this when they showed up. There was no confrontation. There was no back and forth between them. And we talked about yesterday how quickly things went down between the time that they arrive and call 911 to the time that the deputy's on the scene and now he's getting shot at, between the time that his backup arrives and now the house is on fire. It's, it all goes down. Those phone calls, shots fired, and the house fully inflamed all takes place in less than 30 minutes, probably closer to the 20-minute mark. Yeah. So everything's happening very quickly. And that too, that's that's where where I get it a little wonky in my head here with trying to figure out and sort out what happened. We know that an accelerant had to have been used for the house to go up that quickly and in flames like that. I would believe an accelerant would be used. That 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 gets tricky on was he planning on concealing the bodies or was the fire premeditated? And he was hoping to conceal the bodies there in the house, in the burning house. Right. And stage the scene or convolute the scene a little bit for when investigators arrive. You pointed out something yesterday. There are no houses that are near. Now, of course, flames go up, smoke go up, goes up. Somebody would have seen it eventually. But how long would it have taken for somebody to spot that and call it in to authorities? Yeah, not to mention the tons of acreage and woods that he could have taken the bodies to to try to dispose of them. Plus, to hide them. As everyone in the family has stated, the grandfather, his father, owned guns. There were guns inside that house. Did he use one or two of the guns inside that home to make it look like maybe some random person broke into the place, found the guns, and then they stumbled. The victims stumbled upon a break-in. There's shots fired. They're killed, and the person, the random person, burns down the house We and flees into the night, gone on the highway. We don't know who did this because that's a whole different story than 911 being called, a deputy showing up, and then within a day... They are telling us, Kevin Anderson, we believe he's responsible. We know how hesitant law enforcement are 
these days to say this person is a suspect. Heck, in a lot of jurisdictions these days, they're very hesitant to even say somebody's a person of interest. He was named as a suspect very early on, and then within 10, 11 days of the homicides, he's charged. There's an active warrant out for him by multiple agencies. Yeah, and I don't want to spend a ton of time just going over my speculation, but if there's multiple guns, I'd be interested to see which guns were used on what victim, and is it, like you said, a scenario where you're going to then place these bodies into this burning building. You're only six miles from home. Did he have some kind of plan to make it back home? And then all all I have to do is explain away my vehicle being there. Well, we do know that they did serve multiple search warrants at Kevin Anderson's property and his home. And so they searched that property extensively on multiple occasions where he went immediately after the fire. I think it's anyone's guess. I would love to hear some of those guesses though, because we're coming up on three years. If you want the public's help, if you want the public's assistance, give us some breadcrumbs here. The other thing too, is what items do they believe he took with them? What items do they believe that he took with him? These guns are missing from the scene. Did they recover them from his property? If they didn't, he likely used them in the commission of these two homicides. He may have taken them with him when he left. And then in September of 2020, this is where we get the public service announcement, the request from the public, the sheriff's department reminding the public, hey, we still need your help. This guy's still on the run. We don't know where he is. And by the way, it's hunting season. Hunting season is starting very soon. And we want to remind all the hunters out there This guy that we're looking for, Kevin Anderson, he's a hunter himself. He's an outdoorsman. He's an avid camper. We think there's a chance that he could be surviving out in the wilderness. So hunters, when you take, when you go out this season, be on the lookout for this individual and call us immediately. If you see him or you spot somebody who appears to be living in the woods somewhere. Now that was September of 2020. Yeah. I don't think, look, Kevin Anderson could be the best hunter there ever was or or the best camper there ever was. I have a hard time believing that almost three years later that he's still living off of the land. I think we probably might be sitting here with the situation that somebody could be covering for him or helping him or hiding him. Or maybe he's found a situation and taken himself and placed himself in a situation. Maybe he's taken somebody's ID. The thing is with him, and the reason why I think it's important for the public to know of some of these possible breadcrumbs that could be a trail to him is to help law enforcement. Because think about how dangerous this dude is. He killed two of his family members. He was prepared to kill a deputy. I bet you, I can't say 100%, who knows what he was going to do to his poor brother. And then the, the, the father that he, I don't know what the relationship was with his parents, but he burnt down their home. This guy seems to me like the kind of guy that will do anything he has to, to, to survive. You cannot tell me that he did all of what he's been in charge with and he wouldn't kill somebody for their identity or wouldn't kill somebody to stop them from phoning him in. This guy's already made that deal with the devil. Here's what's tough, though, is what we know from law enforcement. They have no credible sightings of him. They have very few tips, if any. You have hundreds of acres. So if you tell me that you you did a search of those acreage, I'm going to believe you. I just don't know how in-depth those searches would be. Like you said, they did use drones. But I believe it was the sheriff that said, I don't have any evidence that he's deceased, so I'm going to have to consider that he's alive and well. Or is it likely that he went to those woods when he escaped and then he took his own life? Because we have no credible sightings of him. I 
my suspicion is that I believe that they would have found him if he's not still on the run. Because they did use uh, dogs. Uh, yeah, I have it in my notes here, and I'm trying to find it. Uh, all of the search efforts that they did. So here, we have it right here, and this is a statement from the sheriff. He does say that, look, not hundreds of acres. We have thousands of acres that we are concerned about. And then he goes on to say that we know that our suspect or or now our wanted fugitive, Kevin Anderson was known to frequent thousands of acres in the area of County highway a and state highway one Oh six. He does say we've searched that area, those thousands of acres using planes, helicopters, drones, canines, thermal imaging, and, of course, boots-on-the-ground officers actually walking through the woods and the fields. They've unfortunately not come up with anything in the hunt for Kevin Anderson. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it Absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get 
their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. With no word on the location of Kevin Anderson, authorities are again here at his Fort Atkinson home, and they have been concentrating on the back of the property. With this investigation's large incident command vehicle, the center of those operations. Law enforcement personnel have brought seized items off the Anderson property, and what authorities say is at least the third court-authorized search in connection with the shooting deaths of Anderson's sister, Nedra Lemke, and her husband, Jim. Authorities began searching for Anderson the day after a deputy found his sister and brother-in-law dead at the Fort Atkinson home of the Anderson's late father. That home went up in flames after that responding deputy exchanged gunfire with someone there. Both Anderson and victim Nedra Lemke are in line for money from their father's will. As this search for Kevin Anderson continues, law enforcement sources tell me the search could even intensify as early as tomorrow. In Fort Atkinson, Tony Galley, 27 News. All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you. Now, the photo that we need to make sure that is the one that is being distributed, and this is in my humble garage opinion here, and if anybody retweets what we send out or you find a photo of Kevin Anderson yourself and you want to get involved and you want to show the photo to people and put it out there, which I recommend and hope that you will, I think that the key photo here, and again, maybe we need to not limit ourselves to one photo because I do believe this guy looks considerably different from photo to photo, but there is one that is being circulated that is of Kevin Anderson at an ATM. 
So if you're online and you find this photo or you see us posting it, it will be the one where Kevin Anderson is, you know, just as most people would be at the drive up ATM. They're kind of slightly out of their driver's side window. Right. And when you hear that this picture was taken at an ATM, one that makes a lot of sense given the, his positioning and, and the photo itself, it explains the photo itself. What it doesn't explain is when was this photo taken? So the reason why this photo is in circulation, it's because it is the most recent photo of Kevin Anderson. Yeah, it makes you wonder if this is the day of the crimes or was this weeks after the crimes? My suspicion is that this photo, this ATM photo was taken prior to him going on the run, prior to the homicides. And I only say that because one of the statements that law enforcement has provided us with is that they're all of the vehicles associated with Kevin Anderson are accounted for. So he's gone, but his transportation, his means of transportation prior to the homicides, they're not gone. They're all accounted for. So this dude could have started off fleeing on foot. So then you go, okay, well, if it were to have been taken after the homicides and once he was on the run, then fill in the blanks a little bit for us. Because if he's not in Jefferson County, Wisconsin, if we know other areas that he has ties to, or he uses ATM card or a credit card or laid down some kind of breadcrumb trail to let us know, let the public know you've asked us for your help and we are willing and able the other thing, too, the complicated thing here, Captain, is we know the U.S. Marshals are involved. The ATF is involved, and for obvious reasons, he has firearms charges. I want to know, did they ever recover any of the guns that were in that home, in his father's home? Right. If Be- they searched the property and they searched all these acres, did they find the guns in those searches? Right. And if you didn't find them there... When you searched his home, his property, did you find them on his at his home or his property? Yeah, which is a great point because he that could have would, taken would, them earlier. Oh, I was just going to say, Sorry. if you do find those guns on that property, then it becomes a. There's multiple questions there. One, were these guns used in the murder of his family members? If so, you find them at his property. That means he got back to his property before he vanished into thin air. This case, too, was big news in this little area of Wisconsin and probably big news for the great state of Wisconsin itself. Some complicating factors here for a fugitive on the run. One, I already pointed out with with this guy being as dangerous as he is and is capable of doing whatever it takes to get away with it and avoid prison as he is. This guy is limitless when it comes to what he may do to remain a free individual. We know that Wisconsin, not terribly far from the Canadian border, from the border of Canada, he'd have to go through Michigan, Minnesota. Minnesota would be closest to that. Minnesota state line would be closest to where he was located in Fort Atkinson or Sumner, Wisconsin. I wouldn't think that that would be out of the realm of possibility. But the thing here is, too, I would love to, and I'm hoping in some small way that our garage show captain can help contribute to this. I think that this case needs to go more on a national level. This case needs to go more nationwide than what it has. It's been three years. This is an incredibly dangerous individual. We talked about Jason Derrick Brown last year how dangerous he is. Yeah. That case went on a national level. They are still looking for Jason Derrick Brown. I would love to see, and I haven't checked it this week or last week, but last time I checked the FBI's most wanted, there was room to add a new name. I think maybe here is the time that we consider adding somebody like Kevin Anderson to that FBI's most wanted list and bring this story to a more national and more nationwide and get some more eyes and earballs on this story so that we can apprehend this guy 
and get him off the streets. He's incredibly dangerous. Well, and like I was telling you, Colonel, I was searching for a way to copy that body cam footage video because I do think it's important. And if you watch it, I think you can see how dangerous of a scene this was and how dangerous of an individual this person is. And when we talk about somebody vanishing, poof, they vanished into thin air. It's normally like a missing person case, like a Brian Schaefer mm-hmm. or, or Mara Murray. Mm-hmm. But this is different. This is poof, disappeared into thin air. And this guy is a murderer. And does not want to be found. No. And he's not going to be. Look, if you're willing to kill your family members over a property that I think he had not only intentions to kill his family members, but also intentions to just burn the the place down. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots at a deputy. He He's not going to be going willingly. This guy is heavily, should be viewed extremely dangerous. And the problem is, again, some of the pictures you see of him, I think you can see that, that evil element in him. But I could also see people being uh, surprised by his appearances and and not looking the way you would think a psychopathic murderer would look like. He looks to me like he would fit in. And I think part of that is largely his age, right? There's something disarming about a man in his mid-60s. But I think that in most scenarios he's going to kind of fit in he's going to look like he belongs he's not going to stand out in the crowd to me now we talked about him being an avid hunter and camper i don't see him being on the run for close to three years and being out in the wilderness somewhere but what do i know you know nothing i know nothing you know nothing But we do have several individuals that knew him extensively, knew him from a young age and well into adulthood. And these were friends of his that said, look, this guy was an incredibly good shot. He could hit shots and make shots that most people could not. That makes him even more dangerous. Maybe even makes him, makes it easier for him to survive. Now, Christine Spangler is the former managing editor of the daily Jefferson County union newspaper and online articles. They did really good coverage, local coverage of this case and local coverage of this manhunt for Kevin Anderson. But again, it needs to go to a nationwide level because this guy could be anywhere. And if he's out, walking around free amongst us and breathing, he's dangerous. He's a danger to you and to everyone else. The show In Pursuit with John Walsh, somebody everybody knows. The famous John Walsh. The famous John Walsh. From America's Most Wanted. Unfortunately, the father of Adam Walsh. Mm -hmm. They covered this case in Season 3, Episode 8. It was titled Bad Blood. And rightfully so. And they did a gangbusters job of trying to assist law enforcement and educating the public to help find this individual. But here's the thing. If somebody is housing Kevin Anderson, if somebody's helping him, you've missed the obvious. You've put yourself in harm's way and maybe you don't even know it because Unless he's threatened you or controlling you, you're helping somebody and you might have signed your own death warrant. This guy, I'm telling you, you can see his previous crimes. You can see what he's wanted for. You know that he will stop at nothing. If it comes down between you and him, he will choose him every single time and he will end you. Yeah, this case is so difficult for me because because of the acreage, I just... Wonder one, is it possible that he's just he disappeared to a place that he's familiar with? And if they caught him living in these woods for the last few years, it wouldn't surprise me. 
But it also wouldn't surprise me that he knew of places in those woods that most locals didn't. And is it possible that he went to one of those places, realized what he did, and took his own life, and that's why we don't have any sightings of this individual. We also don't, it doesn't seem like we have a lot of credible leads. Law enforcement hasn't given us a lot of information. Again, that that's a tricky situation. When something's not solved, of course we want more information. We, we want to be able to help them. But in some of these cases, that hold back information is very important. The other thing, too, is it's his whereabouts that are concerning, right? If they have had any credible leads on his whereabouts, it gets very difficult and very dicey for law enforcement because you want to tell the public, hey, we thought we were on to something or we tracked him here. We have some credible leads on him that point us in this direction or that direction. But at the same time, if there's a hint of a chance that he's still in that area, you don't want to show your cards to him. Yeah, you, don't you don't want him to find out or catch wind that you are on to him. Yeah, you don't want to spook Kevin P. Anderson. But you also, the it becomes an issue, though, too, is if law enforcement, let's just say, in the Brian Schaefer case, or let's say Mara Murray's case, if, if law enforcement said, hey, we, we have uh, some credible leads and credible eyewitness accounts that we possibly can put Mara Murray in Columbus, Ohio. You would start getting eyewitness calls. And so if you put out too much information, you might find yourself in a situation where now you're spinning your own tires, tracking down these leads that amount to nothing. If the trail's gone cold in this situation, looking for Kevin Anderson, then I say I think you have nothing to lose at this point given that it's been over two and a half years. Yeah, again, I think there needs to be more investigation done locally. I think they need to go over those acreages again. I think they should also reach out to the locals and ask, hey, have you have you noticed anything missing from your property lately? That's a good call. You know, ha- has there been a time where you, you came home and you thought, well, I locked the door. Why is it unlocked? Yeah. Or... Hey, I'm I'm missing a loaf of bread. Right. My home's been ransacked and oddly enough the things that are missing are a lantern and food. Well, right, right, but but not ransacked. I and and not to be picky here, but when you'd come home, if you thought your house was ransacked, that would maybe throw up a red flag. Be a little obvious. Yeah. So what I mean is is it possible that you came home and you're like, I thought I got milk yesterday. Milk's gone. Nothing else seems out of place. Oh, I must just be losing my mind. Asking the locals about that. Because like I said, it's very possible that he knew. I, look, my speculation is if he spent any time in that woods, maybe he tried to make contact with family members. Maybe, maybe they weren't duped by this individual and he had no solution and and maybe he took his own life and his body is somewhere out in those woods his remains are somewhere out in those woods i don't know if they'd ever find those unless they consistently looked for those and like you said before hundreds thousands of acres this is a lot of resources that this small department in these small counties around this rural area, they, they don't have the means to just you know, willy-nilly pay searchers around the clock to be searching for this guy in the middle of nowhere. And if it's easily, if it's easy for you to access it, I recommend checking out the In Pursuit episode. Again, that was season three, episode eight, title, titled Bad Blood, I believe. You can watch it on Discovery Plus. And here's the thing. You watch that and your heart breaks for these people. And again, I cannot get over the experience of hearing Nedra's voice on that 911 call. They play a portion of that call during that episode. And you can hear it 
how sweet and how kind this woman was. And for her to be ambushed like this is just, I mean, it's horrific. And then the daughter and some of the family members are interviewed and the, the wonderful, beautiful things that they have to say about their family and their parents. So if you have the opportunity and if it's easily accessible to you, I recommend watching that episode. Again, we have details in the show notes on how to get in touch with law enforcement. But Colonel, can you go over some of that information again for the listeners? Kevin Anderson is described as a Caucasian male, six foot tall, weighing approximately 200 pounds with blue eyes and balding brown hair. He is in his mid 60s. And if you see him again, do not approach him. Do not confront this individual. This guy is so dangerous. This is one of these individuals, these fugitives that law enforcement would approach very cautiously. Yeah. Would set up a situation so that they are not harmed or killed by this guy, because that's what he will do. That's the lengths he will go to. We've already seen him do it before. Yeah, he already attempted to murder a deputy. This guy is a scary individual. And if you talk to him, please don't tell him that the captain said that the P stood for PP head. If you spot this individual, Kevin Anderson, please contact the United States Marshal Service headquarters at 1-877-926-8332. And locally, the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office can be contacted at 1-920-674-7310. Or if you want to remain anonymous, please call WeTip 1-800-78-CRIME. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us here in the garage. And remember, hashtag ban the van. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading? This week, we are very happy to recommend an oldie but a goodie. Go and check out and read No Mercy by the great John Walsh. We are coming up on the 25-year anniversary of the book's publication. No Mercy features John describing some of America's most wanted's most dramatic cases, including the show's successes and failures. This is a great read. No Mercy by John Walsh, and you don't have to write that title down now because you can go to truecrimegarage.com and check out our many recommendations on our recommended page. Thanks again for joining us here once again in the garage. We will be back next week, and until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it.